to the Kerygma Chronicles, a podcast about creating an empowered ministerial identity and developing the confidence to fully step into God's vision for your life and your ministry. Each week, we'll discuss the highs and lows of ministry shared through the stories of dynamic ministry leaders and my own experiences. I am your host, Dr. Natasha Jameson Gadsden. This week, I am excited to welcome Reverend Yeti Walker. Reverend Walker is a gifted preacher and caring leader who currently serves as the Director of Student Life Programs at Princeton Theological Seminary. This is part one of our conversation, and I'm sure you will find her delightful and engaging. What up, girl? Hey, girl. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> How are you? What, what is going on? Oh, oh man, we are, um, as with the rest of the world, we're dealing with um, uh, trying to do school online. And in my new position, uh, well, first I got the position before COVID uh, uh, caused the world to go, you know, upside down and haywire. So in my new position, I'm over like student life programs. Um, as a part of my position, I am the orientation coordinator. So it has been a super steep whirlwind whirlpool uh, learning curve. So I've, I've had a lot of uh, 10 to 12, 15 hour days last couple of, yeah, just trying to get it together because our orientation isn't just, you know, over the course of a couple of hours, it's over the course of three days. Typically. Right, right. Absolutely. No, you know how it is in grad school. So it's usually yeah. like, like three or four days. And we have to figure out how to do that online and consider screen fatigue, but yet mm -hmm. cover as much information as we can right. in this tight window. So, I mean, it was a lot of, okay, what do we need? And then streamlining it. So yeah. I am tired, <laughs> but um, we finally, finally sent the uh, penultimate draft out to students, employees, and faculty today. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah, so that was like three weeks, I think three weeks of really grinding it out and mm -hmm. um, got it out today. It could still change, but at least we have something so that entering students can be thinking about you know, just what's, what to expect when they get here. Right. right. Yeah. So tell me about the position. Tell me how you got to this place. I don't even know where to start because everything informs the next step, right? Like even being in Princeton was not something that I had ever anticipated. So I graduated in 2018. Mm -hmm. And before I graduated, I had been offered a new position that was called, well, uh, the pastoral residency. But with that position, it was a two-year residency um, with no uh, um, option for renewal. It was like two years and, and you got to go. Mm -hmm. So I, I went in the position knowing that I need to get as much out of it as I could to inform my next vocational move. Right. And I had done CPE. And so that was helpful. And I love doing pastoral care and I love preaching. Coming into Princeton as a student, chaplaincy was always on the radar. Mm -hmm. So this kind of looked like chaplaincy or at least an internship residency like chaplaincy in this right. setting. So 
So for two years, I was pastoral resident here at the seminary, and that involved preaching about four times a year Mm -hmm. and um, giving pastoral care to students and ironically, some uh, staff. And um, it it was interesting to have some folks that were staff and administrators kind of be like, hey, can I just chat with you about something I'm thinking about? And um, but giving pastoral care to folks for two years was um, my job. and And I absolutely loved it. I'm walking with students through different life decisions, discerning call, discerning purpose. Um, some were even, you know, discovering their identities. You know, some students um, came out as trans. And so we walked mm-hmm. with them to um, understand what that looked like. I even went shopping with a student who was um, trans. And I mean, it was just a really, really beautiful um, opportunity and a beautiful gift. And I loved it. And apparently, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, People were watching. Um, and mm-hmm. so folks in the um, higher ranks at the seminary were watching. And I actually went to someone in the higher ranks saying, hey, you know, this is um, this residency is coming to a close. It was in my second year, the fall of my second year of the residency. I said, um, hey, this residency is coming to a close. And I heard you're the person that people come to when folks are looking for talent. Like this was someone mm-hmm. who I was directed to go to to say, you go to them. People are always asking them for for recommendations. Go mm-hmm. to them and say, hey, can I be on your radar if someone comes to you is looking for someone? Right. Okay. That was my objective in going to this person. I, I reached out and I said, can we have coffee? So I went to them and I was like, can we have coffee? And they were like, yeah, let's have coffee. And and I said, um, yeah, you know, um, you know, I'm a parent. And I can't wait till this thing ends before I start looking for a job. I have to plan everything at least nine to 12 months in advance. Mm-hmm. Right. So here we are, September. The, the position was ending in June. Uh, September of 19, the position was ending in June of 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm looking ahead. Um, and if you hear anything, you know, please mention my name. And they said, uh, well, actually, <laughs> if you can hold off, until January, before you really do your search, we may have something here for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Wow. You've you got to be kidding me. Um, they were doing a reorganization here, uh, structurally, just administration and staff and everything. They were just doing this huge reorg and they were creating yet another new position. This is how God works in my life. I don't know about anybody else's life, but I, I just kind of sit back and go, okay, God, whatever, you know, whatever you do, that's your business. Right, right. <laughs> if I'm a beneficiary, then I will, I, I'm not going to knock it. I'm going to accept it. So um, they told me that if, if I could just kind of be patient, they may have something. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I'll be patient, but I mean, I'm still, I'm still grown and I still got a child. So I'm still looking for other jobs. But it would it would it would mean so much to not have to move her again. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So um, they came around in the winter and said it's looking really good. It may be you know something in student life. Are you interested in that? It won't be pastoral care, but it'll still be you know you'll still have a chance to interact with students, and they'll still be able to come to you, and you can give pastoral care. But it won't be in pastoral care in the church and the chapel. And I was like, okay, that's. I can do that. I think I can do that. Right. And then um, so we were we were talking in January and February. And in March, the 
official verbal came that basically said, this position will be in the Office of Student Life. You'll work directly under the Dean of Student Life and you'll be over programs and student government and student groups and all of that. And I thought, I, yeah, I want it. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I I just, I, and when, and, and then, and then COVID hit and I got real anxious. I was like, I ain't got no paperwork yet. (laughs) Right. Uh, Contract pre-COVID. I mean, is this going to be a thing? Because like I said, this was the verbal you know, for the verbal, yes. And I was like, this, oh man, what does this mean for us? You know, am I going to have to go back home to Arkansas? My parents don't want us down there and I'm not necessarily sure I want to go down there. And as, uh, as God would have it, I got a very firm verbal and then the paperwork came and I was like, you got to be kidding me. God, you did it again. Wow. So it's a, it's a full grown salary. It look, isn't that nice? Is that nice? In our vocation, a full grown salary, praise the Lord. <laughs> yes. I mean, for real. I mean, that was something I'm telling you, Natasha, when I started down this path, I really didn't know where it was going to lead me. I, mm-hmm. I just, I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't know. I just kept, tr- I literally just kept trusting mm-hmm. every, every step. I only applied to one seminary and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the one that admitted me. And then when I, I, they gave me some money. And then when I got here, they gave me some more money. Oh, praise and, I mean, <laughs> and it just kept happening. And then I get tapped for this one position. There was a new position that had never existed before. Mm-hmm. And then my work spoke for me. Yes. And yes. They were like, here's another position. We'd like to keep you around. So now I'm just doing everything I can to honor God with this position. Mm-hmm. Um. And and honor the people who, you know, um, entrusted me to be in this position. Talk to me, because you said just now, as you were laying out how you got to this place, you said my work spoke for me. Talk about that for a minute, because I think that sometimes, sometimes in the settings that we find ourselves in, Sometimes people think that because they are anointed and they showed up on the scene that doors are supposed to automatically open. Well, no, it doesn't necessarily happen like that. So talk about your work and your work speaking for you and being the thing that God uses to open doors. Wow. That's, that's a really good point. That's whew. You said something right there because I, I've had that conversation with a really close friend. <laughs> we we use this analogy about how people enter into buildings, but they really need to be in the room. Mm-hmm. And if nobody knows you're in the building, they can't invite you into the room. Right. And if you're just sitting in the room, they don't know what you do. So they're not really checking for you. Right. 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 So we got a lot of people walking in the buildings and think that's all they need to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and then we got people that go in the rooms and think, okay, well, you know, I'm here. So you should ask me what it is that I can bring you. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I'm like, what is that? You know, yeah. you can't just show up and blow up. <laughs> no, you, you, you cannot. It just, it's, you gotta do the work and you, and, and, a scripture that I live by when it comes to my work is in Colossians. And right now, of course, I'm just, the, the address is escaping me, but it's um, everything you do, you do, do unto the Lord, do mm-hmm. as unto the Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. 
my mother has, my mother gave, I don't know, she spoke that to me, I don't know how many years ago. And I, that's what I did. I, I just did my work. I yeah. really just, I didn't do my work expecting anyone to acknowledge it. I didn't do my work looking for someone to say good job. Right. I, right. I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I genuinely did not. Do, I did my work because I thought I need to do, number one, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And even when I didn't love my work, I still did the work, but that's right. another story. Um, I love the work. My daughter needed a stable home, so I couldn't mess up and lose my job. <laughs> but but I also kind of did it with the mindset like, you know, this isn't permanent. So I need to do it well enough that someone is going to want to write a letter of recommendation. Right. I mean, I, exactly. To keep it very, very um, um, in the natural. I mean, not to go too spiritual, not to go su- too super spiritual. But just I, I was like, I need to do this so that someone will say, you know what? I got her back. She. Yeah. yeah right. So right. Mm-hmm. And so when people noticed it, I honestly was shocked because I was like, I'm just trying to do the work. I'm trying to do right by these people who are under my care. Mm-hmm. I don't want to cause any harm to anyone. I right. want people to experience the time they they spend with me as something positive um, right. Right. and and not in the sense of positive. They go back and tell everybody, man, I spent time with Yeti. Now, I will say this. I did have some students and, you know, they was black. <laughs> I had I had some students who started calling me Iyanla. They were like, I just gotta yeah, I just need you to fix my life. Can you come fix can I come in so you can fix my life? And I thought I I I like that. That was that was nice. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't something that I sought. I didn't right. actively seek it. So I, I just the work just spoke for itself. Um that's mm. how I got so this is the so this is another backstory. And again, this is not me bragging. This is just a statement of fact. When I was invited to be pastoral resident, I had I was still a student. I was still in my MDiv. I was in my last year of my MDiv when I was approached with, hey, we're thinking about this new program. Mm-hmm. We'd like for you to be the first one in it. And Tasha, when I came to seminary, I literally came here with my head down. I was like, I got to get this work done. Right. And, and, that, and I got to take care of my baby, make sure she eats. Mm-hmm. And kids go goes to the next grade because my plan was do CPE, do my work, have a decent GPA so that I could go back to Maryland and get a chaplaincy residency at a hospital back in Maryland. Like mm-hmm. that was my that was my thing. So when I was tapped for the pastoral residency, one of the first things that was shared with me was, yeah, students have come to me confidentially and told me how you've help them through different challenges they've had. Wow. 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 These were my classmates. These were my peers. And I we just be talking. It oh, wasn't goodness. I wasn't trying to do see what I'm saying? Like that's what I mean by the work. I, and I wasn't and that wasn't even work for me. It was just right. like I'm sitting next to a classmate in class. They're having I we're talking and it's getting real crazy and their lives is their lives are crazy. And it was one student in particular who was, had gone through a very difficult divorce and identity crisis. And, and I had just invited them over for wine one night. Like that was the example that was lifted up. And they said, yeah, this person came and was just like, yeah, Yeti and I just sat on her balcony and we didn't even say anything. We just sat out there and drank wine. And it was it just meant the world to me. Wow. And and so I didn't even I didn't know I was auditioning. I didn't know I was being vetted. <laughs> 
I was just being myself and showing up as I show up. Mm-hmm. And then God just showed out by working it out behind the scenes. Right, right. And you were just being you. You were just being who God created you to be and doing what you would normally do in any situation, being relational and supportive and pastoral. Yeah. And not even knowing that that's what that was. Mm -hmm. Not even knowing, right? You know, like you're just like, oh, my friend is hurting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're about to fail out of seminary because they can't, you know, calm their mind down slow enough to realize that, okay, Academics, yes, but that's not important right now. Get your get your mind, get you get you some space. Right. <laughs> get somewhere right. and breathe. Right. <laughs> yeah. Finding yeah. your soul um together so you can be whole. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. so doing the work was effortless for me, and it wasn't something that I was looking to get a pat on the back for. I just right. that's how I was raised. It was like you do a good job. You, Someone will recognize it. And if they don't, don't worry about it. God's going to see you through. Right, right. Um, so right. I haven't missed a meal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've elected to miss some car notes, but that's. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we just not going to pay it because I want to go do this or I want right. to, you know, but. <laughs> oh, but, but yeah, so. That's awesome. That's really yeah. awesome. So backtrack for me, Yeti, to when you accepted your call and came into ministry, because um, I I know, I mean, we walked that walk <laughs> and I know that you are walking it as a second career, right? Yeah. Um, just as I was. Yeah. And it's a little different from those who maybe new from the womb, I like to say that they were called to ministry. And I imagine that because we are close in age, you like me, there weren't a whole lot of young women that I met that knew early. The men knew at seven, right? In age range. You know, now now the 20 somethings and the 30 somethings, they have the opportunity to find out earlier. But for us, I, I know I didn't meet a whole lot of women who knew so we we are all coming in as second career women, second career ministers. So tell mm-hmm. me about that. Yeah, I um I was thirty my, I was thirty three when I had my daughter. So I was thirty I was thirty nine because I turned forty that summer. Oh wow! Okay, okay. Oh, I, I think was that twenty thirteen. So in uh, late May, early June of twenty thirteen. Answer the call, but before that, um, I knew God was calling me to something different. Mm-hmm. And I was meeting with Pastor. I had, I had, I think I had met a, had a meeting with Pastor Hayes, and then it turned out that I'm supposed to go to Reverend Kelly, kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, so my pastors, so uh, my pastors are um, Harold and Kelly Hayes at what is now Real Power AME Church in Upper Marlboro, Maryland, mm-hmm. um, formerly Hunter Memorial, which was in Suitland. Right. Until they moved in the last couple of years. So, um, and when we were at Hunter, we joined when my daughter was two. Um, and I grew up Baptist. So let's let's get that background first. I, not only did I grow up Baptist, I grew up National Baptist in the South. Wasn't no women preaching nothing. Yeah, yeah. And my grandmother was missionary. My my father's mother was missionary Baptist. She wrote. I've been told she wrote all my great grandfather's sermons. 
but she wasn't yeah. preaching nothing. Her father-in-law at that, like if he was preaching, she either edited it <laughs> or she had something to do with the script of the sermon. That's that could be ur urban family legend, but I'm gonna go with it because I, she was, too. I believe it. Yeah, because she was a brilliant woman and she was like the leader of Christian education in her circuit. So it's it's not a reach. Right, right. Yeah, she was educated. She had a, a bachelor's degree in education. She taught school. She was an educated woman. So it's not a, it's not a reach. And if somebody says I'm I'm stretching it, you know, we can fight about it. <laughs> um, so I didn't, I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up seeing women preaching. Right. We had, right. We had women speakers and things of that nature, but no preachers. So when I moved to Maryland in 2006, we were going to a Baptist church that was a progressive Baptist church, had women in ministry and everything. And then after a while, the Lord led us to Hunter and we became AME. And while there, there's so many women on the ministerial staff and the co-pastor is a woman. Mm -hmm. um, she's not just married to the pastor. She's actually preaching and leading and teaching and, and she's dynamic and you just kind of go, wow. But then one day, and I don't know if I've ever told her this one day, Reverend Kendra Smith was preaching. Mm -hmm. you, you know, Kendra. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She was preaching and I heard God say it, but I was like, that ain't what I heard. <laughs> I heard God say, um, You'll be doing that. Wow. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, that's not, I didn't hear that. So I just pushed it. I just pushed it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for the next two to three years, God and I were having this conversation because I was, I was working as a patent paralegal for a law firm mm -hmm. and I have a law degree, but as a single parent, you just can't really be a lawyer, <laughs> not a full-time lawyer when you don't have the support system. I, and I didn't have the support system in right. Maryland. Um, and so I, I had this nine to five that I hated again, the, I hated the job, but I still did it as unto the Lord. So mm -hmm. they didn't fire me. <laughs> um, but during the time I kept feeling God calling me to something with caring for people. Mm -hmm. So I thought God was calling me to counseling. So I started applying for, um, applications to graduate schools, looking for to be a counselor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm talking to Reverend Kelly about it. And I'm like, yeah, I believe the Lord is calling me to be a counselor um, because I just love taking care of people and loving on folks and helping them just kind of figure out their life's paths and da 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 da. And I'm just sitting there and Reverend Kelly's just going, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then she just reaches over and says, you should read this book. And I was like, let your life speak. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> Wait a minute. I, I gotta say, I think that's the book that every every pastor or minister hands somebody when when like when we go and we don't have a clue because that's the same book that was handed to me. <laughs> And then, and you have no idea. I bet you had no idea. None, none. No, I was just like, okay, this is just a book of confirmation. Like that was right, right. Like, all right, cool. Loved the book. Still love the book. Mm -hmm. Was mad about it. Yes. <laughs> um, at the same time, because because she literally just hand. She didn't even. And this is the thing that was funny. At least this is what she said to. This is what I remember her saying to me. She said, "I hadn't even read the book." 
Really? <laughs> she, she had well, the Lord just told you to give me that book. That's what that's what she's saying. She said, I hadn't even I, she said, Yeah, I don't even know if I had read that book. Oh my god. But I knew that that's what you needed. Wow. And wow. I'm just like, well, it changed my life. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it changed my life. And then I found myself resisting mm-hmm. because you know it's the it's that oh that um old adage, you can't you can't be what you can't see or you can't be what you haven't seen. Yes. Yes. And so I had just started seeing women mm-hmm. ministers mm-hmm. and I'm in my thirties, I'm hitting 40. And, yeah. and I'm like, that ain't what God is saying. God is saying, serve in the church. God ain't saying be no pastor, no preacher. No. God is saying, be like a Sunday school teacher. Cause you've never done that. God is saying maybe start a ministry because that's what I was. Cause I'd started. I, I think around that time, maybe right after I answered the call, I started uh, the mental health awareness ministry at the church. Um, so I was like, I'm just supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to like be out here ordained and trying to lead people to Christ. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, I'm just trying to lead them to Christ with my life, not necessarily by preaching and teaching the the, 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 uh, the text and everything. So so I, I, I resisted for probably the better part of a year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then on Daylight Saving Time Sunday, 2013, <laughs> Olivia and I had missed the nine o'clock. This is back when they were having like a seven o'clock, a nine o'clock and an 11 o'clock service. Mm-hmm. So we, we typically would go to the nine o'clock. And on this Sunday, I went to the 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. But the nine o'clock was overflowing into the 11. And, um, and so we're just, kind of, we, I get to the church and we're kind of hanging out in the back of the church, um, waiting on the service to end. And then I just kind of leave. Um, Olivia just stays in the sanctuary and I'm hanging out in one of the offices with one of my girlfriends waiting on the, 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 the prior service to end so that we can go in for the last service. And, um, and so when it concludes, I go into the sanctuary and one of the women that worked in the media booth said, hey, did you check your text message? And I said, um, no, I said, Olivia's been sitting in here with playing with the phone while I've been in the back. What, what is it? She said, just take, check your message. I said, I don't need to check my message. Just tell me. <laughs> we talking now. We talking. Like, just tell me what you put in the message. So, so, she, so, she, so I checked the message and the text is, Pastor is asking if you feel like you've been called to ministry to come to the altar. Oh my! You be up there. Wow! So so she works the media center, right? So I look at the uh, phone and I look back at her and I said, "No, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not. (laughs) No." And um, so he 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 ends up extending the call. Um, at the conclusion of the 11 o'clock service. Mm-hmm. And at this time, I have convinced myself that I'm supposed to go to graduate school to be a mental health counselor, right? right. This is, I have convinced, I'm convinced. Right. You just know that's what you're I, supposed to do. That's that's it. My girlfriend and I are in the pew and, and pastor says, if you feel like the Lord is called, I mean, Similar verbiage, you know, if you feel the Lord is calling you into ministry or if you feel like you need the Lord to reveal you what it is that your next step is 
um, come to the altar. So I literally am high five my girl, like, girl, I already know what I'm gonna do, right? She was like, I know, girl, you got this figured out. And oh gosh. <laughs> and and it's like there was a record scratch. Pastor looks out, looks directly at me and says, Yeti, don't you need to get to this altar? Oh my gosh. He called you out by name. By name. And, and that's what's crazy because I, up to that point, I do not remember him ever saying my name. Really? I think I was Sister Walker, Sis, Olivia's mom. Like, I don't remember. Up to that point, I do not remember him ever saying Yeti. Oh, and my he said, God. And, and now, Tasha, I know. Well, listen, OK, I know we AME, but, you know, we got some holiness wrapped up in us. Right. 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 Um, it was not him. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, I'm looking at him and I'm like, that's not, that ain't even, that's not Harold Hayes saying that. Right. right. And I looked and I said, I have to actually go. So I get to the altar and um, he says, you've been called to preach, haven't you? Mm. And I just started crying mm. and I said, yes. And he says, you need to surrender. Mm. You just need to surrender to the call. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so Reverend Kelly is in front of me now. He's still up in the pulpit. She's down on the floor where I am, but we're still in front of the altar, in front of the table, not mm -hmm. just the altar, but the table. So I have to surrender in front of the table mm -hmm. at the altar. So what was funny, because I'm, you know, everything got to be, you know, there's always some funny that goes on. So I'm, so Reverend Kelly says, raise your hand. So I do this. And she shakes her head and starts laughing. She said, even your surrender is safe. You can't. Right, right. You, it was a reckless abandon. It was like, hey, I sort of surrender. <laughs> like, she's like, if you don't raise dumb doggone hands up, you know, she doesn't say that. But when she says, even her surrender, even your surrender is safe, I was like, okay, well, I know what that means. So I, you know, I, I just go on, I go full surrender. And I never cried so hard in my life because it was, I knew, I knew. And I'm weeping on the floor. I'm, I'm already a crybaby, but I'm on the floor. And one of my, one of the elders, ordained elders, mm -hmm. um, women is, you know, they're all catching me and they're saying things like we've been waiting for you and we knew it's been, on, we knew it was on you. And, and I said, but I don't want it. You <laughs> <laughs> I said, I don't want it. I don't want it. And, and it was Reverend Rochelle Toyer who said, nobody wants this. That's right. That's, That's why it's a calling and not a dialing. Yeah. Oh, that is so good. Shout out to Reverend Toya. Because that right there. That's she good. Said that, and I was like, okay. Now, I, I, I will say that I, a couple of months before, I was at the altar and I couldn't stop crying. Mm -hmm. Reverend Sandy Williams said, let it go, let it go. And I just, and I knew I knew what it was, but I also was like, that's not, that can't be it. Can't be it. Mm -hmm. That can't be it. This is my ego that says that's what it is. Someone else is going to have to say that's what this is. My ego is telling me that I'm supposed to be in this role. I can't, this can't be it. Yes. Yeah. It took Pastor Hayes saying, no, that's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. For me to answer the call. And then I, I don't, I, I, I was wiped out. The whole day, I just, I just cried and cried and cried, and and I also, it was this, um, it was this purging and 
and refilling simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, I'm you you need to get it out because you gotta surrender. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to affirm you by filling you at the same time. It was a very, it was a very intimate conversation with God for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very intimate. And I and, and I knew. And I knew, and I haven't, and even now I still run from it, you know. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That ain't and I don't think a time comes when we aren't resistant in some kind of way to, so, because like once you accept one level of ministry, then God comes with something else. And it's like, really? I just got used to accepting this. Yep. And you come with something else. Yep. 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 It's, it's like the time just, just, rede- it wasn't, it was, some people said God will redeem the time. It was, it was warp speed redemption. Mm-hmm. Redeeming. redemption. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was warp speed. It was like, yeah, I've been waiting on you all this time. You went to law school that, and I told you, I want you to love on my people. And you thought law school was it. And then, right. and then you come out here and you, you and then you do. And I mean, like lit- when I look back over my life and I see that, in every position I've ever had, what I love most about it was the way I could love on people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's what pastoral ministry is. Yeah, that's what it is. Walking alongside people, helping them discern call, purpose, and, and just navigate life. That's what pastoral ministry is. Oh, maybe giving someone an encouraging word. That's what, mm-hmm. oh, that's not just counseling. That's pastoral ministry. And, right, right. and when you have that call, and God says, now let me use you in this way, mm-hmm. in this venue for my purpose to take care of my people. I'm going to put you there. Right. And, and, right. and because I'm stubborn and hardheaded and resistant, he had to get Reverend Harold Bernard Hayes Jr. to just say, Yeti. <laughs> like, Yeti, I know you hear me. <laughs> I hope you were both inspired and encouraged by part one of my conversation with Reverend Yeti Walker. Make sure you come back next week for part two, where we dig deeper into some of her experiences coming into ministry. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for joining us this week on the Kerygma Chronicles. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just look for at Dr. Natasha Gadsden. If you love the show, please rate and subscribe so that we can continue to bring you fresh content. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you next week.